Breathing space includes mature content such as adult language, sexual situations, violence, and substance use. This episode contains a discussion of the death of an animal. Additional sensory contact warnings can be found in the show notes. I ain't got no home to go to, ain't got nothing to sell, but my stars will never leave me, even when I'm sold to hell. I was born under a blue sky, and I'll die out in the black, when I'm gone, don't no one mourn me, cause my debts will drag me back. warm. No smell. You uh, alive there, buddy? (laughs) What what was that? What do you do? (laughs) I do appreciate the rescue stranger. I'll make it up somehow. I'm good for it. Never before seen a fellow that far from anything and still alive. Figure I needed to drag you aboard just to see if your luck would wear off on me. Oh, I've always been blessed with above average fortune, but I think I may well have used up every last drop to be picked up from floating in the void. Never heard of it happening, and I've been around more than most. How long were you out there? Not sure. The... Auto dock in my suit is, uh, it's not exactly stuck. Put me into a torpor to stretch my time. Like a no-go lullaby. Smart. I swear I got the idea. I've used it that way a couple of times. Let me get around on the cheap. Didn't expect it to save my life. Where your road leads is, uh, never what you expect. Hmm. You're not going to ask how I ended up floating? You want to share? I'm listening. Five card drift. You lose that badly? No. Just the opposite. I was hitching with this little freighter and there wasn't much to do en route. It was just supposed to be a friendly game. I wasn't even hustling. Like I said, above average fortune, but I'm also good. And I told them that. They still wanted to play. 
their funeral, I reckon. I didn't think they'd object to paying what was owed so much. Wish I could say that was, uh, uncommon. Well, they gave me my suit before shoving me in the airlock, at least. Which, on the whole, was pretty kind of them. I'm Ekram, by the way. Call me Hank. Where are you headed, Ekram? I don't think I'm in a position to be picky. Anywhere this ship is going, uh, I'll be happy to tag along. And I can make myself useful. I'm able body. Sure you are. Welcome aboard the unfortunate Rake. He's a good ship. Get us to Io, no problem. What's on Io? Just some old friends. Going to see him. Sounds nice. There are ships through Io, I know. I can get off your hands there. I haven't gotten stuck any place yet. I got useful skills. Guards? Yeah. And uh, I know my way around a bioprinter. Or still. I can service eight back. I know a little doctor. And I can cut hair. Sounds like you've been around. Maybe. I pick up stuff that might be useful. You fight? If I have to. I try to avoid it. Good man. Once your strength's back, the rate could use some servicing. Somebody limber enough to get in the tight spots. My uh, joints don't let me do that these days. But that can wait. I'll, I'll let you rest for now. I'm sure I'll be on my feet soon enough. It's fine. You rest. Work will be there when you get to it. Well, when you said the rake was a good ship, I gave you the benefit of the doubt. Even though it doesn't look it. But after crawling around and around and nearly getting myself lost in there, I can confirm he's a goddamn nightmare. (laughs) I dare you to live a life half as hard as this ship has and come out the other side looking half so well. Everything works, at least. I mean, I had to crawl through that eight-back system three times just to wrap my head around it and get myself free. But it works. It was designed by somebody who thought inside out and upside down and who, in as far as I could tell, never in their life saw a simple solution when they could instead carefully balance three different chaotic disasters such that they come to the same effect. But it works. Hell. With the backups on top of backups and interwoven resiliencies, I'm not sure it can break. At least not so bad it'd stop working completely. That is family engineering at its finest. Family? The Peregrination. Those weirdos out on the rim? Very same. They were the ones who did the rake's last rebuild. Did a little sniffing around when I first got them. Started life as an... Ozma patrol craft working Ganymede before it was even settled. Ozma? Shit. Why, his keel must have been laid a hundred years ago. Not quite, but close. They don't make them like him anymore. Good bones. 
substructure and the reactor are the only bits that ain't been ship of Theseus yet. With a little care, they can hold out another 50 or so. When Ozma built the newer model, he was shipped to scrap to some little nowhere asteroid to get picked over and over and over. It's out there longer than you've been alive, I bet. Till the family found him and rebuilt him for me. You're telling me the Perrys built you a ship? Parting gift from my ex-wife. Long story. We're a long way from Mayo, if you want to tell it. Hmm. Got a better one for you. You ever heard of Operation Cowpoke? I can't say it rings a bell. This was during the New Austin Revolt. Uh, that was a bit before your time, wasn't it? This was uh, New Austin versus the GTR. On paper, it was a little colony trying to break off from Mother Earth, right? Only they took the opportunity to expand their territory by biting chunks off their neighbors in the process. The whole thing turns into a Kessler, a rat shit show. GTR makes nice with the neighbors. Now it's everybody ganging up on New Austin. Even the Legion gets called in. The, the Legion? The Martian Foreign Legion. That's, uh, that's my unit. Oh, shit. Yeah, they were, uh, what, sort of elite, right? We were pretty good. This was, uh, closing days of the war. Our side is winning. Everybody all around is moving in on New Austin, gobbling up territory. The Legion made a call from a New Austin blue line. I mean, he got our company commander's comm dress somehow and just called her. This commander fellow is watching the front move steadily toward him every day. The new Philadelphians are just about breathing down his neck. Except he doesn't want to be captured by the Delphs on account of... Let's just say the Austies and the Delphs had a habit of going above and beyond the normal course of war on each other. Oh, I see. I see. So this colonel says he wants to surrender to the Legion. From our POV, he's behind 40 clicks of enemy territory in the wrong direction from our order advance. His was a backline unit, not at the front. Were they guarding something important? Hell yeah. They're a logistics unit, and the colonel, he says, they just so happen to be sitting on a thousand head of Planitian shorthorns. Well, the Legion's the best fighting force in the system, and that drives a powerful hunger. So now we're motivated, but we can't spare more than two companies. Now, two companies of legionnaires, that should be more than enough to take and hold that position. Long enough for the new Philly troops to roll up and find out they won't be getting steak dinners anytime soon, since we have dibs. Forty clicks, but that means we need transport, and the best we can muster are a load of old Osti skimmers we'd captured the day before. Now, Legion Flybees are the craziest ones in the system, they'll get anything off the dirt. So we fly out, dreaming of red meat the whole way. When we get there, well, the place wasn't exactly as described. Mm-mm. No cattle. Oh, the steers are there all right. But they're all crammed into a dome that's attached to a high-rise luxury hotel full of... I got no other word for it than a menagerie. See, when New Austin first bum-rushed their neighbors, nobody saw it coming, and therefore... Nobody had time to skip and skadoodle before the troops were rolling in. You ever been to that part of Mars? You said between uh, New Austin and Philly? Sure. That's the Red Riviera. 
good casinos all through there. And uh, what do you call them? Resorts. Full of people from all over the system. Tourists and people there to entertain them. So when the Aussie troops come through, they suddenly find themselves capturing rich folks, actors and singers, visiting dignitaries, even a whole goddamn circus. By all rights, they ought to just let these people be, but, well, it seems like maybe having a few of the more high-profile ones around might be useful. Hostages. Honored guests, they call them. Stuck them in the fanciest hotel in the area and surrounded them with guards for their protection. Figured they'd be a bargaining shit if the war went bad. Only by this point, it had gone bad, and I guess they forgot about them. The unit that was guarding them was called to the front, and that left these logistics fellows with the problem. Except they're not so diehard about the whole thing. Maybe even a bit starstruck. Can't bring themselves to be hard asses to their honored guests. So in the last few weeks, the whole prisoner of war thing sort of broke down. The celebrities and dignitaries and these new Austin troops are all mingling together, sharing rations and volats in the occasional bed. Me and the other legionnaires are wandering around, dumbfounded at how lax everything is. The Austies are happy to see us, just smiling and waving. And the foreigners are even happier, knowing we'll probably let them go home. And then, in the space of an hour, everything goes to shit. That's so. How? First, from the north, one of our scouts spots more Austie troops. Not even really troops, these are hair shirts, the political forces. And the logistics troopers all start wetting themselves because these guys shoot traitors and surrenderers on sight. And they're coming to recapture this whole kit and caboodle. Second, someone to the south perimeter spots the Delphian troops coming in hot and heavy. We squawked at them that we had captured the place, but no act. In fact, they sped up and started opening the gun ports on their vehicles. They were still going to attack, even though you were on the same side? It's possible they saw those enemy skimmers we rode in on and figured we weren't who we said we were. Or maybe they knew and decided to play dumb so they could make the capture and get a hold of the glory and of our bovine booty. But that ain't even the worst of it, because then, from the east, plain as goddamn day, we see a wall of red rushing towards us. Samuel. You do know Mars. That's right. A real skin scraper. Soil from half the Rust Bowl kicked up by an angry wind and about to be dumped right on top of us. So, enemies to the north, unfriendly friendlies to the south, and a dust storm bearing down on all of you. What'd you do? If it had been just us legionnaires, I think we would have bugged out. Let the Delphs and the Osties have at each other. But we couldn't let all those civilians get caught in the crossfire. So we start grabbing these Ostie logistics guys. They ain't frontline soldiers, but they got guns. And there are five of them for every one of us. And we start forming a perimeter. I'm on north, directing my mortar guys where to hit, doing my best to take a pot shot now and then. Of course, these... Hair shirts weren't no slouches either, and there was a hell of a lot more of them than us, even with our Osti backliners filling the gaps. Even then, the storm was worse than the fighting. Hmm. Uh, I heard before the terraforming started, 
Martian sandstorms could cover the whole planet, but the Atmo was so sparse, they couldn't even ruffle your exosuit. <laughs> well, they've grown teeth since then. This one was pulling bits and pieces off of the buildings and dumping fine red dirt so fast that if you stood still for a bit, you'd find your feet getting buried. These poor logistic guys weren't ready for a situation so bad. Half of them were totally blinded by the storm because they weren't keeping optics mounted to their helmets like a good soldier would. And they were all bunched up. Enemy artillery. The next thing you know, I see a civilian exosuit running up. Bright white and blue. Only whoever it is has been digging in the Osties gear because they got optics on and bandoliers ammo. And then there's another one, racing green with a yellow kerchief. And another, patterned with pink flowers. And more, and more. They run over to logistics guys and some of them start hauling the wounded back to safety. One of them, that first one, grabs an Osti rifle comes scooting over to me. When they got close enough, I could find the sea inside the visor, and I recognized him. Lars Ilton, a six-time Olympic gold medalist tennis player from back on Earth. Pops a magazine into the rifle like he'd done it a hundred times and says, Verity avant me, Sergeant. Battle only lasted about an hour or more, until the storm got so bad that everybody just hunkered down and hid. But that was Operation Cowpoke, where the Martian Foreign Legion fought with the enemy, against our allies, but also against the enemy, with the help of athletes and actors and even the Vatican's ambassador to Mars, who apparently had an arm for throwing grenades like you wouldn't believe. Hmm. Did you get that steak dinner in the end? By the time the storm ended, the Osti High Command had been taken into custody. That's what the rest of the Legion was doing, by the by. And the war was officially over. Our Aussie friends were technically surrendered. The foreigners were free. Though we had something of a party. Proper barbecue. The best meal I ever had. Now, I don't mean to speak out of turn, but... But you're gonna anyway. It was a good story. I'm glad to have heard it. Good. But it was a very long way to go just to avoid talking about how you, uh, how you got the unfortunate rake. Funny that. Ex-wife, you said? Might have. I see. So, is there anything else on the ship you want me to check? Nah. I think we've both done enough for the day. And you got me thinking about dinner. I got some fungal steaks still in the bag. You want one? I almost die for food. And let me have it. Is that a yes? Oh, emphatically so. Yeah. Alright. Come on. Ekram, you up? Yes, sir. You uh, said you were a barber, right? Sure thing. You want me to give you a once-over? If, if you could. It's been a while since I was cleaned up. Sit right there, friend. You got a kit? Yeah. Brought it with me. You certainly got enough beard and hair to work with. Do you have something in mind? There's a photo in the bag there. <laughs> this is you? Yep. Hard to believe I was ever that handsome. 
Well, I'm sure that face is still under there somewhere. Let's find it. Lately, I've been doing it myself, just to keep the old caveman look at bay. Well, the void certainly doesn't mind what you look like. But I guess it'd be nice to look a bit like myself again. Where'd you learn to cut hair, son? From a brazier I knew, once upon a time. Huh. Well, barbering lessons isn't the strangest thing I've heard happening in the house of truth, but it's close. Weren't no brothel, Hank. Oh? No. I, uh, I rode with a crew for a while. Hard to describe them. Uh, not outlaws, but not upstanding citizens either. Homeless, but at home everywhere they went, which was one two-vac station after another. They all did a dozen different things. Station repair, cleaning, tailoring, suit work. Singing and dancing. Not even to be paid, they just did it for the locals. Made them happy. Small stations like that, they can't have everything a person needs, so this crew came in and filled all those holes. I hooked up with them for a while. Dealt cards and ran games. Not playing sharp, just providing a place for people to gamble. Living on tips. And so this brazier friend of yours was part of that crew? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, that was Gar. He was as good with a pair of scissors as he was with a... Well, you're an old soldier, I'm sure you can guess. I learned the truth of my time. Anyway, when I was riding with them, I picked up some stuff. It was a good time. You're not with them now? There was a dog. Son... I know you're a man of few words, but you're going to have to elaborate on that one. We were on series about two years ago, not too long after the storm, when things were still pretty bad. Felt like the station at the end of the universe out there. Miles and miles of empty and dark. But near the core, there was a this little community holding on keeping a light going we came along to give them a little company while they did wasn't actually much for us to do but Sidra she was sort of the leader of our little group she went full general mode handing out assignments we helped inventory supplies and took over a lot of the cooking for the people there I spent a lot of time with a broom, cleaning out wrecked compartments. Well, mostly a broom. Sometimes we found something that needed more direct cleaning. I heard about the fighting that happened in the aftermath there. Cleaning up a battlefield is... That ain't easy work. No, it weren't too bad. I only found a couple of unfortunate um, former folks. And the techs had floored the local humidity when they put the 8-vac on minimal power. So, things were dry, at least. It wasn't a vacation, by any measure. But I got by just fine. Except, there was a dog? He showed up around our camp the first week we were there. Smelled our cooking. Raggedy little guy. 
looked like a pile of rubbish that had decided to get up and walk around. People started slipping him food, so of course, then he was a camp regular. Sort of became our mascot. Only he stank, and we had a couple of people with allergies and lung troubles, and another who was immunocompromised. So Sidra pulls me aside and says she's swung us extra water, and I needed to give the dog a bath. Give him a trim, too. Now, you said you've been around more than most. You ever try to catch hold of a station stray? On occasion. I wouldn't recommend it unless you want to work out. Yeah, that's usually the way of it. I spotted this boy in the corridor outside our camp. Had every expectation that I'd be running all over series for this dog. He sees me eyeing him and just trots on over. I squat down to let him smell me, and he does, and we get acquainted a little. And then he damn near crawls into my lap right then and there. He took a liking to you. That was just his way. Give him even a sliver of attention and he wanted to cuddle. So catching him wasn't terrible. But I was worried bathing him would be a bridge too far. I led him over to this old barrel Citra had filled with water. And sure enough, the dog sees it and starts shaking like a leaf. Leaning hard against my leg. I had to lift him in myself. I got soaked in the process. But he let me do it. This whole time just giving me this look like... I have no idea what is going on. But I'm going to trust you. And I'm looking at him and I realize his eyes are cloudy. Cataracts. And as I'm washing out his fur, I can feel the scars under the mats. And his tail's crooked from being broken, not healing right. But I get him cleaned and cut the mats out of his fur. And by then, there was so little fur left, I just trimmed him short all over. He looked like a new dog. Well, he looked like a different dog. A different very old dog. But once I had him cleaned and dry, he did sort of half jump of excitement and just put his head against my thigh and rubbed his face against me. He followed me around a lot after that. <laughs> but it wasn't just me he liked. Every single person on the crew was his favorite, as long as they were the one pitting him. You ever have a dog? Not myself, but there have been the occasional unit mascot now and again. Good for morale. That's one way to put it. Seemed to liven everybody up. Give us a spark. Something to talk about and joke about. And I was amazed at how universal it was for people to make up a silly voice to talk as the dog. Nobody had the same voice, of course, but... Uh, they all had one. But we all knew we weren't going to be able to keep him forever. Why not? Practical reasons. Like I said, allergies and medical stuff in the crew wouldn't work long term. 
Sidra kept asking the locals if they'd take the dog in, but people could barely look after themselves, let alone an animal. I could see her leaving on the horizon, coming closer. And this dumb dog was just going to go back to being a station stray. Sometimes that's the way of it. Everybody's got a road to run, even dogs. Yeah, well, I decided to stay. Yeah? Yeah. By then, there was the occasional ship coming through series. I'm a useful fellow. Been traveling the system my whole life and never gotten stuck in a port yet. I thought I'd get him someplace better. You were willing to leave your friends over a dog. This dog was half blind and near deaf, covered in old wounds. And he still loved everybody he met. It didn't seem. It wasn't right for life to treat him so bad when he was so good. So I stayed. Because if there's any justice in this life, we have to make it ourselves. Amen to that. It didn't matter, though. Why not? Because he died about two weeks after my crew left. I just woke up one morning and he was cold next to me. Like I said, he was old. Just that time, I think. Uh, you're, you're done, by the way. How's that look? I didn't think I'd see that face again. Thank you, son. My pleasure. I've seen a lot of deaths in my time. Good ones, bad ones, everything in between. There isn't anything I can think of that could matter more than being with someone. Making them comfortable as they go. So they can reach the end of their road knowing they're loved. Thanks. Thank you. This has been a good trip. Yeah, it has. What are you doing out here, Hank? What do you mean? Alone on a ship, wandering the system. Doesn't seem like much of retirement. What are you doing out here, Ekram? A fair point. You know, I think I'm supposed to say that I'm looking for something. And I'll know it when I see it. But honestly, I think I just like looking. Nothing wrong with that. I've been around. There's lots worth seeing. Blue sunrises on Mars? Floating cities on Venus? A comet migration on Terminal? Peregrination wedding? <laughs> if you can swing that one, do not pass up the chance and get you a slice of Commodore Grandma's celebration cake while you're at it. So, you want to tell me that story yet? There was a girl. Old-timer, I know you're a man of few words, but you're going to have to elaborate on that one. I haven't told that tale enough to be any good at it yet. I met someone, even though I thought I'd missed the burn on that long time ago. We made it work for a while, but at the end of the day, we... Each had things to do we couldn't do together. So, we split. Do you regret it? Splitting? Or getting together in the first place? I don't know. Either? Both? Hmm. 
No. It was bad in the end. But it was good, too. I'll take the bad if I get to remember the good. The web of our life is of a mingled yarn. Good and ill together. Exactly. Man, I got the rake in the end. He's done me good these last few years. I told you why I'm out here the first day we met. I'm on my way to meet some old friends on I.O. I was working with the IWM for a couple of years there. Me and the rake ferrying people from place to place. But with things ramping up against Yukon lately, they've outpaced what use I can be. So, now I'm making the rounds. Seeing some people and places again. People and places I should have seen a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, alright. I get that. Thought you might. Been to Iowa before? No. You? Long time ago. Changed a lot. You be okay? Oh, I think I can manage. Listen, I appreciate you bringing me this far. Weren't no thing. Yes, it was. To me, at least. I was just doing what needed. You okay? Look like you've seen a ghost. The, uh, it's the mooring registry. What about it? Q26 St. James. That's the ship. What ship? Hey, uh, uh, you got a gun I can borrow? Son, I, I don't oh, think... fuck it. You! What the... Fuck! Shit! Surprised to see me? You're... You're... Say it. <sighs> now, see here. You was cheating. No, not even a little. You two are just shit. Now, Morris, right? And you're Remy. I was up too straight when you shoved me out of that airlock. I think that means you owe me. Uh, mister, we don't have that. So pay me what you got. But... Remy, he ain't got no proof. We don't need to pay him shit. But... Uh, but... Uh, we did... Uh, you know... Go ahead and say it. Look, I don't like your tone, mister. In fact... I'm feeling pretty threatened right now. I got a right to defend myself. Mortis? Drop the gun. <coughs> what the fuck? Drop the gun or I squeeze your windpipe closed. Who the fuck are you? He's just an old man. My name is Major Henry Hobb. And he's right. I am an old man. I am at the end of a long road. I was born on Earth. I spent 25 years in the Martian Foreign Legion. And then I was an outer ranger. Then I hunted pirates with a peregrination. I fought battles on three planets. On countless moons and stations and in the blackness of the void. I've been rich. I've been poor, I've been married and divorced to a woman I still love. I've killed men with everything from rocks and knives to fusion bombs. I am old. Time has not been kind to me. But I have strengthened me to beat a couple of pups like you after death. 
Well, well, well. What have we got here? Sheriff! <coughs> These two attacked us! Tried to kill us! M- Major? Meryl? You've gone gray. And you've gone... Well, why does a ghost? These fellas bothering you? Nothing I can't handle. Oh, I'm sure. But if you make a mess, I'm the one who's got to clean it up. So let's keep the floors dry. What's the trouble? These two owe my friend here some money. How much? Too straight. Pay him. Uh, we haven't got that. If you can't make it square, make it near. Or a fucking rhombus. Whatever. <sighs> Fuck. Here. That, that's all the credits we got. Fine. But these two still tried to kill me. Well, it obviously didn't take, so let's just leave it. Hey, Tower. We're on Q26, the St. James. Protocol 5. You got it, Sheriff. All right, you two. In 20 minutes, the Tower's going to release the mag clamps and blow the airlock your ship's hooked to. So it is leaving. I suggest you be on it when it does. Uh, Wait, but you can't just do that. Uh, Morris, come on. But she can't. We we got to rent Come on. Come on, Morris. You've gotten pretty good at this, Meryl. I had a pretty good teacher, and a lot of practice since. So, what brings the great Headstone Hob to my jurisdiction? Looking for some friends. Oh, yeah? You got a potter's field, or... Oh, we do, but you'll want the memorial. Come on. Memorial? For the siege. The Fallen. Finished it a few years ago. Huh. I expect that. People around here are maybe a bit sentimental. You were at the siege, right? With the Legion? Yeah. Makes sense. Here we are. I'll, uh, give you some space. I should go make sure those idiots leave anyway. You need anything, Major. You call me, okay? Sure. Hank, uh, thank you for... You should take the rake. What? No, I can't. Nah. I was just thinking, this is the the last stop at the end of my road. But the rake can take you down your own. Hank. Thank you. For everything. I'm very glad to have picked you up, son. Last few years have been a bit lonely. And it's been nice to have a friend for this leg. It was nice for me, too. You know, maybe we don't have to part ways here. I don't need you hanging around right to the very end. Even if I'm alone, I know I ain't alone. You go on. Find your crew or another dog or another old man. You done more than enough for me. Okay. Okay, if you say so. Put her there. Take care of the rake. And he'll take care of you. I'm sure he will. So long. Soldiers. It's me. Sergeant Hobb. I like that you're all in here together. Seems right. It's about the nicest place I've found friends on this journey. 
Uh, you folks who are on the other side, I hope you won't be offended if I talk to just my comrades for a little while. I'm sure y'all were good people as any, but, well, you know, y'all mind if I sit here? I've been on the move for a long time, and these bones are weary. I guess you're not likely to object. Started at Aurora Planum, the big tunnel for the Legion. Then the little potter's field at Argyre Basin. Phobos, Luna, Ceres, Vesta. Found the people I'd left on all of them. Took two years. I just came from Arcturus. Meeting with the Peregrination folks. I was married to one of them for a while, so naturally I had a visit to make there. The family, they don't have graveyards. Every 500 days they get together and part of what they do is read out all the names of their people who have died. There were some names I needed to hear again. They say if they keep the names alive, keep speaking them, then the person's story can keep on going after they're gone. I know a lot of you have families back home who miss you, mourn for you, and I know some of you didn't. Just the same, I tried to keep your names alive with me all this time. But time isn't something I have a lot of left. You were Good men and women. Oh, of course, enemy, sorry. You were good too. Good friends. We had times together. I feel like yesterday. Talking over Miss Old Chow. Laughing at Clapper's impression of the Colonel. Showing the LT how to give us orders. In all these years, I don't think I've forgotten any of it. I should say that you were good soldiers, that you fought for the cause of what's right, and your noble sacrifice was worth it. But we all know the truth. All that patriotism, that's all black brass. We fought for each other to protect our friends on the line. Y'all fought and died so that the rest of us can make it out. I came all this way to say thank you and that y'all deserve better. Better than bare stones with your names carved in them. You all deserve thousands more days of faithful friends and Happy families, shared meals and jokes of love, of life. Thousands more days than you got. You'll deserve the time I had. Years and years, stories and sights. I 
tell you everyone if I had the time. Y'all are my last stop. I visited every one of them. Every friend whose story was cut short. But it took a while, then I beaten and battered and tired. But I'm so glad to see you again. I know it wasn't enough, but it was all I had. I cared your names as long as I could. Zaheed Marks, Corrine Britt, Emmy Shaw, Murad Savala, Gaia Wilda, Clapper Thomas, Marin Gilmore, Jenner Baird, Robbie Cornish, Daddy Walid, Zara Pacheco, Leon and Bradford. Eve Doherty, Preet Mesa, Isle Turner. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Breathe in Space. This episode, Beat the Drum Slowly, was written, directed, and edited by Scott Paladin. Hank was voiced by Scott Paladin. Ekram is voiced by Cale Brown. Remy is <laughs> voiced by Quill Turner. Morris is voiced by Zach Jakeways. Meryl is voiced by Kate Bullen. With additional voice work by Michael E. Fremantle. Our theme, Blues for the Black, was composed by Michael Freitag, with vocals by Jeremiah and lyrics by Scott Paladin. You can find links to learn more about our cast and crew in the show notes and more information about our show at our website, breathingspace.lawofnames.com. Breathing Space is a Law of Names production. If you didn't see Jupiter up in the sky, standing outside Shepherd's Crossing on this quiet back street in Ganymede's commercial district, you could almost convince yourself that you're in Lunden. The cobbled street, the simulated gas lamps, and the 3D-printed Tudor-style wall panels have tricked more than a few passers-by into thinking that this is just another knockoff English pub. But you've only got to walk by when the footy's on. To know that this is the real deal. Everyone knows how vital the Rigby Array is to cross-system communication. It is probably the most important data hub this side of the belt. The amount of work that went into building it and that goes into maintaining it means that Ganymede is a very busy place with folks from all over the system. 
I'm here at the Shepherd's Crossing pub to see a good friend of mine and the publican of this fine establishment, Dove Foster. Dove, tell me about Shepherd's Crossing. Hello, yes. So, we are a free house, possibly the only one in the outer system. We specialize in... Uh, free house? It's a legacy thing, you see. Don't mean much today, but back on Earth, it meant we weren't owned by a brewery and could serve whatever ales we wanted. Got it. Sorry, go on. Well, there's the ales and beers, of course, and also the hot pies. (laughs) And that. Yes, the footy. All the Premier League and Champions League games direct from the relay. And the food. The food. We specialise in pies. Not fruit pies, though. Well, sometimes, but mostly savoury pies. Hot water crust for the structure. Tell me a little about that. How does that differ from what people usually think of as pies? So, your thrice-fried pie. The pie dough there, they work fat into the flour cold, then add cold water too. Which builds lamination, but also keeps a lot of the gluten from forming. Correct. That gives you flakiness and crispiness, but that's generally not what you want for something savoury and potentially about as wet as a stew. So a hot water crust is hot fat? Well, let's go make some, shall we? So the first step, we're going to add this very high-quality beef suet. Thank you for bringing that in from Mars. We're going to add this to this boiling water. Stir that until it's fully melted. Okay, got it. Right, now that's ready, we'll add it to the flour here. Doesn't this get... gluey? It does, but that's what we want in this case. Everything should stay inside the pie as it cooks. We stir this until it's workable, and also not too hot to work. That should be about right. Oh, it feels like a towel right out of the dryer. Oh, that's perfect, then. We'll knead it a bit, just to get it all stuck together. All right, cut about a third off of that and stick it under the mixing bowl so that it doesn't dry out. Okay, and now we roll it out, right? Yes. We're aiming for rectangular shape. This pie is going to be a loaf shape. It's going in this mold right here. Good, yes. Oh, that's pretty. It's a family heirloom. Tins last a very long time if they're used consistently. All right. Now that it's lined, what are we filling it with? Well, the fresh food networks are struggling a bit lately. Yukon Logistics and Nutrition Express has a backlog. So, instead of chicken and mushroom, we'll be doing chicknem and mushroom. It would be minced anyway, so close enough. Okay, let's see. Mmm, that's pretty good nem, all told. Good mushroom flavor, too. And what's the onion in there? At leek, actually, grown right here on Ganymede. And the creaminess? A basic bechamel, Martian cream, vegetable scrap stock, and mustard. This is very satisfying already. All right, now we roll out and crimp down the top. Yes, like that. And we have to remember to cut some vent holes. And into the oven. Let's have a pint while we wait. So, how did the Fosters end up with the pub? When the second phase of the Rigby Array started construction, a lot of people in broadcasting were looking for work. 
Auntie Beeb had been scrapped for parts as the government tried desperately to hold itself together for more than six months at a time. So, even though it was a corporate town, Ganymede looked pretty appealing to my great-grandfather. Stable paycheck, guaranteed work, far too much work to do, in fact. So he came out to work on the array? Indeed. And after ten years as a vac suit welder, he'd built enough of a stake to retire from construction. And had a young family out here, so there was really no going back. But he missed the footy. And thus the pub. A little bit of home. It's all well and good watching a match at home, but being around other supporters, or even just friends, well, it's a different experience. Roger taught himself to bake all sorts of pies, not just the basics, but Bedfordshire clangers, cold pork pies, stargazy. I am going to need to look some of those up. (laughs) So the pub has stayed in the family for... 80 years or so, still an independent lease from the Ganymede Corporate Board. And what about your beers? We get what we can, but I try to curate it a bit. Whenever the Neptune Cycler comes through, they always drop off a car scale that would win any real ale competition. Obviously, we try to source local, since shipping what is fundamentally just water with impurities is expensive. Unless you're already going that direction. The tap handles look the right out of a London pub, though. That's just boffo, but it gets the mood right. Ah, here's the pie. Mmm. Look at the steam coming out of the vents. It smells great. Let's just cut in. See how the crust supports the filling? No soggy bottoms. These flavors work great together. Classic chicken and mushrooms. And this Neptunian ale. What's the brewery? It's, uh, oh yes, the freighter should have taken a left. They are great people. Well, it's closing time and you know what that means. Oh, Can I do it? Of course. Time, gentlefolk, please! Coming up, we find the best pizza on Ganymede and visit a venerable old reporter's bar. (laughs) 